This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast today. I am your host, Sam Carroll, and I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Gavin Buckland as we look ahead to what we all want, and that is the Blues back in action this weekend as David Moyes brings his West Ham side to face Rafa Benitez. Everton side, never thought we'd... Uh, be saying that we are finally recording. We've had some uh, technical issues from Gav today. <laughs> Gav, walk of shame for you, I think, t- today. But we'll get fair we'll enough. Get fair enough. <laughs> we'll get straight into it then, Preno. Uh, Rafa Benitez's press conference today. Another game. I think there was a hope, wasn't there, when we were going into the international break that it'd be perfectly timed and maybe uh, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin would be back. That's not the case. We're going to be missing our two star men a couple more weeks for solomon rondon to get a bit of practice into his legs but definitely a blow and something that will have pleased david Moyes, i think to hear today that those two won't be featuring on the weekend yeah and it was you know some mixed news wasn't it really seamus coleman available again lucas dean you know sort of fine uh but the the two men that we hoped would be available or certainly dominic calvert would be available Apparently back in training, but not quite, you know, sort of fit enough yet to, to re- resume. So it is frustrating, but we've had some decent results over the last few weeks without either of those two players. And like you say, the positive is that Solomon Rondon, who, you know, despite his willingness uh, to lead the line, has lacked a bit of sharpness, lacked a bit of uh, a bit of fitness, has had two weeks to work on that. And hopefully we'll be slightly closer uh, to the you know so the, the the finished product we wanted to see, uh, so it's going to be tough, yeah. But you know that that's the nature of a football season, isn't it? You get these um, these problems to try and overcome. The managers proved quite adept at overcoming them so far. Uh, I can't see too many options available to him to mix things up at all. So I think we're going to see a team similar to the one we saw you know at Old Trafford last time we were out, uh, but. You know, West Ham have been up and down this season, so who's to say that that team isn't going to be capable of um, getting that result? And actually, one for Gavin here, actually achieving you know, a statistical, not a first, but I think we're going to, if we win on Sunday, it's 17 points. And the last time we got anywhere near that was was a 2004-5. Um, when we, uh, did we get 18 last, uh, in the first eight games of that season? I think we'd be better than 2004-5. I think we had 16, didn't we, after eight Excellent. games? So, Yeah. Well, is that, does that to me, Matt? Isn't the question 78? 78-79, we actually won our first yeah. four home league games. It'll be the first time we've done that since then. So, this is all getting ahead of ourselves and jumping the gun. But, you know, it's, it's a target to be aimed at. So, uh, with the players that we have available, yeah. you know, So, why shouldn't we think about doing that? So, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit frustrating. I would have liked to have seen you know, one of those two strikers available, but they're not going to be. We just need to get on with it without them. Are you still confident, Gav, that we have enough to overcome West Ham without Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin? Uh, yeah, given that how we played in the games where they've been absent and hopefully that Rondon's a bit more mobile, which some would say that's not particularly hard based on us. Previous performances, against Man United, they would say they were green shots of recovery, wasn't it? In terms of his uh, performance, he, he certainly got involved a lot more. But I'd be definitely looking more uh, for more for him on Sunday. And I think, as Peno said, they've 
started that the season well off West Ham, but they've gone off the boil a little bit, haven't they? Um, with playing Thursday, Sunday. So, you know, with this being a break, but oh, definitely with the crowds, all them cliches and stuff. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a. I think, I think it'd be good for Benitez that he's had two two weeks without a game as well. Gives him a bit more thinking time, doesn't it? Um, to take stock of his his progress in the in the first six seven weeks of the season. So, yeah, I'm sure it may maybe be reflected in my you know end of pod forecast. I'm 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 super confident about uh, Sunday. Do you think this could be uh, Solomon's Solomon's big weekend, Gav? Could you could you see him getting his first goal? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, who cares as long as we win? But I, yeah, it'd be good to see him get a, get a, get a, get a goal. Um, I think Zoom will be playing on Sunday, won't it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's um, it'd be interesting to see Zuma playing. So I've got a reservation still about our centre halves. I know Vinita was asked about it today, but. Um, I thought Zuma was excellent in the season here, or whatever, how long it was here for. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Good, all good there, Sam, I think. And uh, I'm pretty comfortable that we, if we carry on play as we did over the last few games, we'll be um, definitely in, in with the shout of a good win. A few people have been frustrated, I think, in a couple of games by Rondon, Preno, even though it's early doors. Do, do you still, to me, he, he kind of reminds me of a, an Enna Valencia-style signing. Do you think he will... When we look back and all and the dust settles on this season, do do you think we'll look back and kind of think, you know what, that was a smart move? Because realistically, when Richardson and Carver Lewin are back, I don't think anyone's expecting. Probably not even Rondo himself is expecting to get that many minutes. It's weird, isn't it? it? Underlines, you know, so how short we were of cover, and then we went through virtually an entire season, you know, so with Dominic Carver Lewin leading the line on his own, despite having a couple of like sort of fitness issues last season and that still wasn't really addressed um until you know so benitez came in and uh you know so brought in a player that he trusts and that he knows who'd have thought hey that we're uh, we're going to be relying on solomon rondon you know so, so much you know so very early on in the season um I, I don't know i mean he's got a good record at premier league level in terms of goals and in terms of appearances when fit but sometimes you know so rafa does have these little blind spots i remember uh, him talking I spoke to him earlier this week and he was talking about uh, Fernando Morientes and when he brought him to Liverpool and uh, how the player himself couldn't settle because of family issues and he was really disappointed uh, because he thought he was a great player, great striker, who would have been really good for Liverpool. And I was like, you know, chief sports writer then, so I was watching you know games at Anfield quite regularly and I never quite saw that. You know, he had been a great player at Real Madrid, but I thought he was way past his best in a faded force uh, when he came to Liverpool. So... I kind of, you know, so I hope that's not the case with Solomon Rondon. Bottom line is that, you know, he's just there as a stopgap. You know, he's there to provide cover when necessary. And, you know, so to come on late in games, maybe, you know, so when Calvert-Lewin, you know, so needs a break. We never ever thought we were going to be having to use him as often as we have done already, least of all the player himself. So just got to get behind him and support the lad as much as, you know, we can. Uh, you get a bit frustrated sometimes when you see people having a pop him, having a moan and, you know, so being quite sneering in a the way that, you know, so they talk about him. I mean, what's the alternative? You know, so if, you know, so if he's not there, you know, what are we doing playing Alex Iwobi as centre-forward or, you know, so, you know, a false nine or something. It's just, you know, there's nothing else that we can do. You know, so yeah. the youngsters like Lewis Dobbin and Co certainly aren't ready, you know, so to start a game at the Premier League just yet. 
So uh, we need to, you know, hope that the fellow's uh, fitness is a little bit further down the line and get behind him and hope that, you know, just his presence alone will create opportunities for other players around him. You know, the likes of Damari Gray, you know, so breaking late into the box or Abdelay Decore continuing to do what he's done all season and getting in and around the penalty area. Just to stick with you for, for a moment, Preno, that I know that all free plug for your book again. Any, anyone who's read Dave's and <laughs> old team's report will know Dave's old mucker, David Moyes, is, is back at Goodison Park this weekend. And, you know, there was the whole thing when he was at Manchester United, Dave, and the bids for Fellaini and, and Baines. Yeah. And, and he lost a lot of respect with the with the Everton fans who, you know, gave him a great send-off and, and adored him yeah. for pretty much the, the entirety of his tenure, but for, for someone that you know really well, someone you, you sat with in the in the director's box at Goodison Park not long ago, <laughs> even if he did abandon you at half time, are you, <laughs> are you are you glad to see to see David Moyes back doing well in the Premier League and, and almost building a kind of second Everton at West Ham? Yeah, I mean I read a nice stat actually where somebody said that he's the only manager that has um achieved top four or top five status with you know so not one of the you know so the, the big you know so three or four clubs if you like with two different clubs or he's the only manager maybe the only manager who's done it with two clubs including the uh, top three or four um obviously with everton in 2004 five and then with uh you know so west ham um so yeah he does deserve a, a lot of respect you know so for what he's achieved i think he's a very good manager i've said before on these thing on on these podcasts that you know when you're doing the job that we do you know the 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 best you can possibly hope for about managers, you know, you know, to be good for us is A, to be available and, you know, so sort of make themselves available when you need a reaction to something and B, to be honest. And David was always absolutely 100% honest with absolutely yeah. every dealing, you know, so you, I've had with him. Uh, I could ask him some really uncomfortable questions and difficult questions. and I always, always get an honest answer from him. So, you know, so respect him enormously for that. But also respect him for the job that he did. I think he was very good for Everson Football Club for a long period of time. When the club was like gripped with a turbulence and upheaval, he gave um, you know a bit of stability over a long period of time. And that spell from like 2005 through to 2009, 2010, maybe where we were finishing fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth, you know, is the most consistent we've seen uh, in an Everson team in the Premier League era. And that final season before he left, the quality of football we were playing in that season is probably the best that we've seen in the Premier League era. I mean, that final game, ironically, against West Ham, when we won 2-0 and Sam Allardyce was in charge of West Ham, we played some magnificent stuff that day. It wasn't just the the, the long ball, you know, so route one stuff we often you know, unfairly got tarred with. Uh, it was good, progressive football, really sharp, really easy on the eye. And um, it, it was good to watch. So, yeah, you know, I understand why Blues fans, you know, so got irritated by him, you know, for those bids for Fellaini and for Baines, and not just for making bids, but they were quite, you know, sort of paltry bids as well. Uh, but equally, I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did at Everton over a long period of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure he will get a good reception, a good reaction from the crowd. Gav, West Ham, back in Europe, led there by David Moyes last season. Is it fair to say that, you know, a lot of talk about things like projects and that in football these days are West Ham right now further ahead in their project than Everton or do you still think that with the players we have we we are kind of on an even keel maybe still with the resources we have ahead of them it's it's strange isn't it to think about West Ham being kind of ahead of us in 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 wanting to 
kind of break that top six mould? Yeah, well, I think that they're ahead of us for a number of reasons. Um, a, Moses being there longer than Benitez, hasn't he? And he'd been yeah. there before, hadn't he, for the start. The second thing is you don't get... We're like we're, we're still trying to offload yeah. a certain number of players from our squad for a number of reasons. Don't think they're necessarily in that position. So I think certainly a more settled squad. In terms of the style of play, I think we've settled in into the Benitez groove pretty pretty well, haven't we? You know, I don't think there's been any sort of transition. I think the players know through good coaching and Benitez being so experienced. Uh, you know, you don't get the impression that as a team we're developing, they probably are on the margins in terms of our style. I think West Ham, similar. Um, I've been impressed with them, certainly away from home. Uh, when Moyes has been untypically adventurous with his with his team because he's had pace, so that's a similarity with Benitez. And yeah, yeah, I think that it had, but it's not. You know, you're not talking Man City and Everton, you're talking West Ham and Everton. So, but I think they'll be in the mix at the end of the season. I can only, you know, agree. But I've, me and Prowse spoke about this several times, haven't we? And we're both of the same opinion of Moyes. I think I'd, I'd not really think he did a really good job. I think he did an excellent job, and um, I don't really the Man United thing for Lenny Baines. I think some of that was Edward Wood as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just wondering though. I was thinking about this last night that will Moyes get cheered on, on Sunday? Will, will he get this bizarre, this utterly bizarre scenario on Sunday of, Mo, of Benitez getting cheered by the Everton fans and booing Moyes? Which, <laughs> <laughs> If you think about it, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> that, that's Everton in the 21st century for you, isn't it, in many respects? Summed up in one action. Um, it, is, it is a good question, though, isn't it? Because the, Rooney was kind of a perfect example in that it, it just thawed over time, didn't it? Are, are we now in a position to live and let live and maybe give, maybe not cheer him, but could, could you see a light ripple of applause for David Moyes? Well, maybe maybe they've been making the points about we're supporting Benitez, not you, so we're going to support Benitez even more than all. I don't know. It's just the whole thing's just started. I mean, we said when I said when Benitez was appointed that the real the real interesting game for me was not the match against Liverpool, it was the match against West Ham, and certainly the game at Goodison because that was the one where you know Moyes comes out of the dugout, well, on, onto the pitch, and there's Benitez sat, and sat, mm. sat in his seat. If you think how many times they faced off in the derby, and I, I just think it's 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 an utterly bizarre scenario, isn't it? Really, and uh, as we wait said yesterday, you'd have thought that Andy Johnson three 0 you know, fifteen years ago that the two of them would be still managing against each other at Goodison, yeah. <laughs> out for different clubs. Yeah, so it's just, be, I just I, that's a really interesting dynamic for me on Saturday, on Sunday. What the crowd's reaction is going to be? That's even before yeah. the game starts. I think it'll be interesting to see. And it may it may show uh, more than any other time what the fans' feelings about Benitez are at this moment if, in time. If Everton win, can either of you see the crowd singing Rafa Benitez's name? <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of water to go under the bridge still before we see that happening. Um, there's, you know, what, I don't know. Mina, if, if Mina would have scored in the last minute at United, if that would have counted, it would have been interesting, I thought. 
Yeah, it will do, but I, I don't know. I think that football fans, despite being fickle, can also be very stubborn. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sensing like quite a, a sea change in opinion amongst a lot of supporters. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly on social media, there seems to be a lot of fans now buying into, you know, so Rafa Benitez because uh, of the results he's achieved, you know, so because of the way he's handled himself, because of what he's done. But equally, there are some that are just, they want more than that, you know, so I don't know what it would take to actually convince them to, to sing his name. Maybe victory over Liverpool in the derby in December. I don't know. Um, you know, so maybe even landing a bit of silverware. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it'll be a while yet. I don't think it's going to happen on Sunday. Do you think it'll take that long, Gov? Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I think this. I think the fa- fans have changed a lot with Benitez, but it doesn't take too much for like all managers to to, to change again. Uh, I thought just just to plug them, I thought they were two tremendous interviews or two parts of the same interview plan. I really really interested. And, and but it's funny enough, Benitez mentioned the social media aspect, didn't he? Fans about how you've got two sets of yeah. supporters these days, yeah. which I thought was a really interesting point, wasn't it? That you've sort of got the match going supports and the social media supporters to two completely different groups, and you you wonder whether there is two completely different attitudes. You know, and it was, it was, he's obviously, he mentions the echo, reading the echo, didn't he? Quite a few times, even back to his Liverpool game uh, days. And it was interesting to, to hear him talk about that, fans, fans' reactions and stuff, you know, in response to his appointments and just generally with the team. And yeah, re- re- two really good pieces. I think he got good insight into his, his current mindset with regard to Everton. Yeah, was excellent. I mean, he was, he was a really interesting guy to talk to. And, um, uh, you know, I just you know, so sort of wish you know, so sort of fans were you know able to see more of that. Obviously, it's difficult at the moment with the, the restrictions that are in place. You know, still sort of getting down to training grounds and stuff. Uh, but you know, he is—he's a very engaging and interesting character to talk to. Absolutely driven. Uh, it was quite interesting actually what he was talking about. Um, you know, the, the questions that were asked of him by the board. Uh, you know, so when he was approached for the job, and it was almost like because he was in China that they had some doubts about his ambition anymore. Uh-huh. You know, has he gone there for a, you know sort of one last meal ticket, if you like? And clearly, he hasn't. You know, he's still as driven as he's ever been. And um, he went there because he thought he could make a success of that project and basically rebuild the club from scratch. And he's quite keen to get across about you know how he's done that in the past, how he's built academies, how he's worked with um, youngsters, and how he's a coach. He says, I'm, I'm not a manager, I'm a coach. Because when I came to this country, I was a coach and I learned how to become a manager. He says, but, you know, the bottom line is I'm still a coach. I like to work with players and I like to, you know, sort of improve them. And uh, I likened it to like that day's Dave Brailsford, you know, some marginal gains thing with British cycling. It's like whereby if you can improve every single facet of a football club by half a percent, in total, you'll get a much bigger improvement than across the board. And that's what he's trying to do. You know, so he basically looks at everything and scrutinizes everything. And he talks to the players individually, you know, so one on one and tries to introduce little bits, you know, to their game. And he referenced Damari Gray and, you know, so scoring the goal with his left foot. You know, was it Brighton, was it, where he did that? Um, you know, so where he was delighted yeah. to see that he's been pestering him to work harder with his left foot, which he hasn't done previously. So just little things like that, which was, you know, really good to see. But I just left the, uh, the the building feeling quite heartened and feeling quite enthusiastic because he's got a clear plan about what he wants to do. You know, so it, it's not, you know, so 
left field thinking go you know so let's, let's take a punt on this or a punt on that it's, it's quite a clear methodical plan and it might take time you know so it's not going to be an overnight success and you know there will be dips along the way but i felt quite confident that we've got a man that you know so knows what he's doing you know so with the direction he wants to take the football club in and it was it was quite heartening the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo for anyone who hasn't yeah. yet read those two-part exclusive interview with Everton manager Rafa Benitez, they are both on the Liverpool Echo website right now if you want to take them in. But it is heartening, Preno, to, to hear you speak like that. And, and, and after kind of spending that amount of time with Rafa face-to-face, is it kind of, you know, there was so much doom and gloom uh, around the place it felt when Carlo got kind of poached back by Real Madrid. But do you feel it's almost kind of been one of those things? It, it feels at the moment like it, it's happened for a reason, and it almost feels like, as you say now, definitely seems to be a change in social media with people kind of saying, "Hang on, what last season wasn't that great." You know, we lost a lot of games at home. You know, was James Rodriguez? You know, the real sour taste in, in what happened to yeah. him with the end of the season being sent home. Do you feel maybe more confident now after speaking to Rafa about the direction Everton are going in? Well, I do. I mean, last season was odd, wasn't it? I mean, we had those really good away wins, uh, you know, places that, you know, we hadn't won before, like Arsenal and Liverpool. And uh, we had that flying start to the season, but then that, you know, so it got derailed very, very quickly. But then we had a post-Christmas, turgid, dull, dreadful football, you know, so it, it was poor to watch. You know, some of the games were really, really dull. I've enjoyed the games I've seen this season. There's there's been chances created. It's been a little bit more direct. It's been more exciting, certainly. And I've just I've enjoyed it. And you know, I've enjoyed going to the games and I've enjoyed watching the matches despite the results. The, you know, the results certainly help. Um but like you say, there's also a man who seems to, you know, know what he wants to do with the place and he's got, you know, long term ideas and he's gonna introduce those changes bit by bit. But he's already made a very, very good start. I mean, I think Gavin's articulated this in previous podcasts that he thinks, you know, so Rafa is the right man for us at this period of the club's development. You know, so is he going to be the right man four or five years down the line if he's still there? We don't know. But right now, he probably is just what we need rather than this, you know, so, you know, so elite level manager that we had in Carlo Ancelotti that, you know, maybe wasn't the right fit for the club at the time, even though we were very excited and we loved having him. Uh, but maybe wasn't just quite right uh, for the club at the time. Have I done you a disservice there, Gabo? Is that right? Or did I recall correctly? <laughs> no, no, I, no, I totally agree with that. And yeah. I, I mean, I said at the time, didn't I, that the one thing you'll have in his favour is he understands football in the city. Yeah. And a few people have said that, haven't he? That, you know, as a Liverpool manager, he also understood Everton and Think, and he, I think he mentioned that, like he referenced that he understood what for, you know what supporters want. He actually, actually said I, I, I think that's that's something that is massively beneficial to him in terms of the job he he's done and is doing. And uh, and I think that in he under he lives here, but he understands the area and understands every supporters about what they want to say. And I think he said that because I think there's a difference between get you know we talk about managers getting clubs. There's a difference between getting a club and understanding what football the supporters want, isn't it? The two completely different things. I mean, Martin has got the club, but he didn't understand what fans want. I think Benitez understands what fans want, and that's why we've bought players like we've done and played the way we, we, we've done. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely support that. The other thing I'd say, but one final thing about Benitez, I'd say, 
his, ba- his ba- coaching bible, he's talking about being a coach, is a book, well, two books called Soccer by a Hungarian coach in the 50s called Arpad Sanadi. And guess what, Plano? They were Harry Katzik's Bibles as a coach as well. <laughs> really? He, you, you've educated Yeah, yeah. He's, he's traveling yeah. on a day. He's traveling yeah. on his desk at Belfield. And there's an yeah. interview with Benitez about 10 years ago. And he said, what, what book would you nominate another coach to read about football? And he said, yeah. Soccer by Arpad Sanadi, which Katzik, would, Katzik said exactly the same thing. Have you got a copy? You know, 40 years before, 40, 50 years before. So, yeah. He's, Benitez has only got to deliver two titles in an FA Cup now with all uh, the, the similarity <laughs> is complete, you know? Oh, very much so. No, it's funny, actually, because he referenced in the chat, I mean, uh, the work he did when he was a young coach in Spain with Arrigo Sacchi. Uh, he said he basically, you know, so man-marked him and followed him, you know, so and analysed everything he did with his great Milan side so he could actually put some of those lessons into play um, with the new team at Real Madrid. And it's almost like a completely left field metaphor here. David Bowie, who, you know, we all adore the absolute, you know, sort of master uh, musically. But he always described himself as a magpie, always like borrowing like little ideas from people here, you know, so ideas from there, ideas from there. And it's not plagiarism, it's just like, you know, so taking ideas and putting them in, in with his own imprint on them. And you get that impression with Benitez as well. I mean, you've mentioned that book there by, you know, the Hungarian master, but, you know, he's also yeah. taking ideas from Sachi. He's also taken ideas from his school days, he says. I mean, he's, um, he's read a lot on psychology. So there's like lots and lots of elements that sort of go, go into this. Um, bottom line is he's very, very good at actually getting those messages across to footballers in a very simple fashion because you can overcomplicate things you know, with footballers quite easily. Yeah. And he doesn't. He actually manages to digest all this information and impart it in quite you know, so simple fashion for footballers to absorb. So, you know, he's been a success, not just a one-off. He's been a success at Valencia, a success at Liverpool, a success at Napoli. He won a trophy at Chelsea. Okay, Newcastle went down, but, you know, he only took over halfway through, but then he won the championship, you know, so with them as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's won silverware at lots of different clubs, 13 trophies he's won in his career. And ironically, I think the only club where he didn't win any trophies, the one where you thought he'd have the best chance, which was Real Madrid, uh, but he was only there for seven months, you know, so before, you know, so departed company. So, you know, he's probably got everything on his CV that suggests, you know, he could make a success of his time at Everson. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, I do feel confident and I do feel hard that, you know, so he is the right man for us at this moment in time. Well, Gav, we, we were kind of talking about it a, a, a little bit earlier. West Ham, back at Goodison Park. David Moyes won't be the only familiar face. Nikola Vlasic and Kurt Zuma. I think yeah. you're a fan of Kurt Zuma, but do you think Looking back, would you have liked to have seen both of them have more of an opportunity? Would you have liked to see Kate eventually sign on a permanent? And do you think Nikola Vlasic is a player who deserves more time? Uh, Zuma, definitely. Uh, I think we may have sort of made a few inquiries. Can't remember. Was it the place too steep, what they were talking about, Chelsea? Um, it was 2018, 19, he was there at Goodison. Like Zuma a lot, and I'd still think he'd been probably our best centre half if he if he played. Flasic is a bit more of a difficult one, isn't it? Really, because he sort of got caught up in the you know all that Cumin Allardyce era, and he sort of fell through the the gaps in the floor, didn't he? He's decent. I know he's done well in Russia, but I'm still not convinced there. And 
I'm not sure how many ga- what what his game times been for West Ham this year, Sam. But the games I've seen, I'm not sure whether he's played that many full games. Yeah, Lord, he's still out. I'm afraid on Vlasic. I don't. People say we were wrong to sell him, but I'm not. We're still not entirely saying that he's, you know, going to push think, on. We'll see. Do you think if Zuma was at Everton now, he would be a, a starting centre back ahead of Mina, Godfrey, Keane? Yeah. Yeah. I think Ricey and I thought he was better. Um, obviously, it's two, two, three years down the line now, isn't it? Players age differently, um, but yeah, I liked I liked Zuma a lot. Um, it was, it's funny. Rafa was asked about centre halves today in his press conference, which I thought was a good question, wasn't he? And he said he was he was quite happy. Yeah, uh, he said he said I've got five centre halves, and but I seem to recall maybe earlier. Earlier in the season, he said that maybe there was a lot a place somewhere he was looking for, to strengthen, but maybe what he's seen so far this season might just change his mind. That's still an area of concern for me against the best teams, but yeah, we'll see. But Flasic, jury's out. Zuma, if we'd have got had the money, definitely. He's mixing it up, David Moyes. Preno, he got a bit of a reputation after Everton, didn't he? Especially when he was at Sunderland for just signing former Everton players. Now he's just signing players who were. Who would kind of at Everton for a for a, a shorter <laughs> spell like Vlasic and Zuma? You you strike me as someone who, who might have been a fan of Vlasic. I didn't see anything from him to be honest to to oh, make me like to, to to make me think you know so it, it was all potential that was never quite realised or fulfilled. And I know yeah. you know it's being pointed out that he was being utilised in the wrong position. I mean, heaven help us, uh, as Dad said, he was better as a number ten. Uh, and that, let's face it, we couldn't have had another number 10 in that era. You know, so they're doing up there already. Uh, so as a result, he was played in wide positions. And he looked he looked okay, you know, so on occasions. Um, nothing more than that, though. You know, I, I wouldn't say I saw any more from him than I've seen from Anthony Gordon. In fact, I've probably seen more from Anthony Gordon um, yeah. you know, so the, at, at the club at the moment. Uh, I know he's looked better on the international stage, and you know he's surrounded by better players. But you know, so he has you know had some good performances. I'm I'm not sure it was a big sum of money they paid for him. So obviously they're sure, and they think that you know he can um, he can do a job for them. But I, I certainly didn't you know so didn't mourn his departure. Just one of those players like Luckman, really, that you think that you know so maybe could have been a player, but isn't, and seems to have moved around a lot. You know, so in in the time since and. I mean, Luckman's back in the Premier League now as well, isn't he? And you know, so yeah. you know, so still doesn't seem to have done a great deal. So I don't know. I think you know, consistency is the issue. You, you want to see consistency from these players, and you know, we've got two older heads in the squad at the moment now who know the uh, the Premier League very well, and Damari Gray and Andros Townsend, who have been very consistent since the start of the season already. And so, no, I'm I'm not mourning. You know, so Nikola Vlasic, you know, his time at Everton. It's, I didn't really see that much to make me think, you know, wow, you know, so, yeah, we need to persevere with this lad. Just watch him go and score a worldie on Sunday now. <laughs> <laughs> Another aspect of the press conference today, Gav, was, was Rafa very firmly putting to bed the the reports kind of tentatively suggesting Newcastle and their new owners could try and get him back in, in what would have been a, a, a shock replacement for Steve Bruce in many ways. But there's just something... Very trustworthy about Rafa when he when he says it, you you kind of you very much believe that he's he's happy at Everton and and even if Newcastle did reach out, there, there would be no chance of him going back there. 
Ja, ja well, I said that last week, Amy, when we, we, we spoke about Newcastle in in, in detail because it's very relevant to Everton and what, what our position in 2016 is. You're still going there, but one had one, one hand tied behind your back financially, aren't you, because of the rules? So I don't think it's an as, as attractive job as going to, say, Tottenham or somewhere like that for a start. The second yeah. is, yeah, Benitez, I think you, you, you trust him. And also as well, going back to what I said before, his home's in the area, I'm sure that helped with the decision to come to Everton. Uh, yeah, so I don't think don't think that's a that's a goer. Um, it was interesting, he, he said today, didn't he? He still has good relations with the with those in Newcastle, so it was an interesting sideline. But yeah, I don't think that's never going to happen. Um, I think we've got, hopefully, good, good, going back to what Brenner was saying, three or four years, hopefully if it works out, yeah, and um, and progress. Yeah, he, he said that, I thought two tremendous interviews, I thought he spoke a lot of sense, and you, you, I know you said you, you come away feeling, Preno, that quite... Uh, impressed by it and reassured and I think if you had it you got that same message as well uh, is, is somebody you've not had for a long time and the manager's dog out and knows what they're doing well we will finish as usual on a, on a Friday podcast with our predictions for the big game Preno the return of David Moyes to Goodison Park against Everton and Rafa Benitez what's got two very similar sides in a lot of ways what score are you predicting it's it's a very very tough one to predict this one because of uh, you know the West Ham that we've seen this season have been so impressive up until um, you know so the, the last appearance against Brentford and Brentford have been impressive this season and also they played in Europe on the Thursday hadn't they before they played Brentford and so that might have taken a little bit out of them and maybe contributed to the uh, the late defeat. Mikel Antonio is so important to them and you know so he's he's available now again unfortunately um, and I'm just. Heartened and emboldened by, you know, so the job that Rafa's done, I would have liked uh, Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison to have been available, but they're not. Uh, Yerry Mina as well, you know, on his way back from Colombia as we speak, and uh, may or may not be, you know, so in a position to, to play. Lots and lots of imponderables, but I've got faith in, in the manager devising a plan to um, to try and unsettle David Moyes' team. I'm going to go for a home win. I'm going to go 2-1. I don't think we're capable of keeping a clean sheet. But yeah, I think it could be a tight, but you know, but decisive win. Gab, uh, massively confident, which is not necessarily a good thing, as you well know <laughs> through these podcasts. You know that is that is definitely a cause for concern. Uh, but I think I go back with the 2013 result, Moise's last game at Goodison, two 0 wasn't it? Yeah. Kevin Morales, which I didn't realise, great goal. Prano talk about Evans, uh, goal of the month. That was Premier League goal of the month, wasn't it? It was outstanding. Looking at the, the Townsend uh, stat. Yeah, 2-0 mm -hmm. Everton. I think uh, home advantage will be key on uh, Sunday. Looking forward to the game. It should be a cracker. That that goal was right in front of us because uh, if you recall, uh, we'd been banned from the press box for that game. Or Gregor Keefe <laughs> was on Everton correspondence by the then Everton chief executive, uh, Robert Elston. So we watched the game from the park end, which was great. Uh, not the park end, sorry, from the Bullens Road stand, almost in line with the uh, the edge of the uh, park end penalty area from which Kevin Morales scored that goal. So, yeah, it was a thoroughly enjoyable way to watch the game that day. <laughs> and uh, I hope you're right rather than me on this occasion, Gav. Yeah, yeah I think... We both said we win, won't we? We like so, yeah. So come on, Sam. What's your uh, what's your stab? Well, that that game, to be fair, probably was one of my favourite Everton games because I always remember when 
the ball went into the Gladys Street, and I must have been about 17, and we all held on to the ball, and everyone started singing, and it's Everton. And I remember all the players just looking at the Gladys Street, and it was just a dead surreal, yeah. surreal moment. So that obviously ties into that we're going to win. I reckon... 1-0. I've got more confidence in us keeping a clean sheet than I have of us scoring a couple of goals. 1-0 Solomon Rondon. That's my prediction. Happy days. And on that, thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Gav, Preno, thank you so much, as always, for being here. We'll be back next week to hopefully discuss another Everton win that will take us even further up the table and cement the good start Rafa Benitez has made as manager. As always, you can get in touch with us on Twitter or join the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.